Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brazen Education. Um, I'm Educator Barnes, and I'm here today with Eric Collins. Um, he is an educator. He is an author. Um, he's a curriculum and instruction lead. Uh, but most importantly to me, as a uh, former English teacher, he is an English teacher. Um, so those are one of the points that we have connected on. And today we're going to be talking about standards-based grading. So, Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Shante. Appreciate it. Well, let's dive um, right in. Um, and so I met Eric on Facebook, actually. Um, he was being interviewed by um, Christopher uh, First Stewart, um, known as Citizen Stewart, online. And I can't remember what they were talking about, but whatever Eric was saying really piqued my interest. So I started writing comments in this thing. And then he reached out to me after the show and we just started talking and there were many things about what he was saying about education that really piqued my interest and here recently there was a post on twitter about standards um, and grading and eric said something to the fact of like i'm not trying to get into a twitter debate um and so i sent him a message i'm like I, you know me i'm not trying to argue with you i'm actually really curious about your thoughts because when i started teaching it was a traditional grade book and when I say traditional, we had all types of stuff in the gradebook. You had participation grades. You had stuff that was behavior based. You had, we're going to have this much for tests, this much for projects, this much for quizzes. Gradebook closes, here are your grades. Mm -hmm. And when I started coaching teachers, that's when we started shifting, at least here in Indianapolis, to like the standard based grading. But I have also felt like that may not be the best approach or versus the traditional approach. And because um, Eric has so many wonderful thoughts, uh, and with some of his thoughts, he has included his book, What the Academy Taught Us, which I really suggest you read. Um, if you read the introduction and start reading, I don't see how, because the introduction just like brought me into like, what happened with this sophomore academy? Um, so Eric, um, tell us a little bit about um, your experience with traditional grading and how the shift to standard, um, um, standard-based grading um, has been in your career um, thus far. Uh, gotcha. Uh, and thanks for that uh, very gracious introduction. And and to like, I'm so happy to know you. You can't even. And, and I have to say before I start uh, um, uh, to remind everybody that uh, yeah, it not only uh, our relationship didn't just uh, uh, it wasn't just a conversation, but I was like, I need you to come to a research ed conference uh, and contribute to that uh, just because I thought your uh, your um, the way you straddle research and your practice and administration and having been a teacher was just really valuable for folks to talk about. So, um, so I, it's a pleasure to know you and, and to, to be talking to you again. Um, anyway, uh, wow. When it comes to that, I've honestly never been subject to a system that's fully adopted standards-based grading, but as a consultant and as a, a district administrator, I've kind of seen, I've gotten to see it from a, a higher level, okay? And gotten to see like folks implementing it and watching their trials, tribulations, all those things. Uh, but then I also saw it in light of kind of like some of the thoughts that I had about grading and traditional grading uh, as a practitioner. 
and I think that's kind of like where my relationship with the, with it became very complicated. Uh, because for, for one thing, uh, I think when the, when the standards-based grading folks came out, started coming out, I don't know, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, and really kind of making some waves, uh, my first thought as like an evidence-based practitioner was kind of like, where are they getting this? Okay. Like they were making a lot of sweeping claims about traditional grading systems, harm students, um, uh, things like that. And I was like, this feels like some of those other things that have kind of been pushed on the field that didn't necessarily have a, a really good evidence basis, but are intuitively pleasing. Like it should be about mastery. It should be, well, pardon me. I have sirens going by outside. <laughs> um, uh, um, it should be about uh, mastery. That's how we should do our grading. Okay. And I got to think about my own grading system and like, I'm like, you know, I've built a grading system that I think is fairly reliable. You know, it doesn't include things like participation points. Uh, it does include like effort-based assignments, you know, versus mastery-based assignments, but I keep those in balance with each other. Uh, and then I kind of thought back to my first book in which um, I talked a lot about <clears throat> the idea of just how much schooling and kind of like the expectations of schooling do or do not prepare kids for the life after K-12. So the idea of removing anything that was sort of time-bound uh, uh, as perhaps damaging to their preparation. Um, uh, and uh, when you say we're, we're seeking mastery and it doesn't matter when they reach it, I'm like, well, I kind of beg to differ with that. Uh, and, um, and as I kind of like started moving through the thinking of, uh, of that while more and more schools were taking on these kind of like um, uh, standards-based grading procedures, uh, and watching the way uh, teachers reacted, for one. Uh, teachers would look at, um, you know, they'd say, you know, kids get four and five chances to take something over again, and time doesn't matter. And I kind of started to wonder if that's, you know, uh, is that right side up with the way the world works? Like, and to me, that's a, a, a massive concern, uh, uh, like removing a time guideline sorry, it just doesn't work with how your employer, how a college professor, how anybody will look at your work. Uh, no matter, so the idea of, of, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes to master it. It's just that you master it that matters. And I'm like, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know that that stacks up like, like, like a time bound is, is, you know, I think a pretty standard expectation. Uh, similarly, um, when it comes to things like uh, retakes, so doing things over, you know, um, uh, I started to kind of look at that in regard to like someone who's out in the world and has to give a presentation on a certain day and they're going to be paid for that service. Okay. Like, uh, do you get multiple chances to nail it? You know, <laughs> or, and so like, and so uh, there, there's a lot of things in there uh, uh, when it comes to these things, like, 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 are we through standards-based grading perhaps setting up some understandings about the world that aren't actually the way the world works? And that and that's when I started to become a little bit more critically critical about it publicly. And then definitely in uh, the book, what the academy taught us, I talked about like a district that you know I had worked in, 
And in that district, I mean, they've gone all in on standards-based grading since they've done a since they've done a bunch of like transformational district reforms. And uh, um, while the hunch is, well, if we get this grading piece right, uh, we'll start to see the states. Ultimately, we'll see our state scores rise and rise and rise. But if you unpick it, you'll see that over about ten years, like that really hasn't changed. Uh, and then ultimately, the the, <laughs> the blame falls back on the teachers. Like, well, if it hasn't changed, if those things aren't matching up, then the, the teachers just must not be doing it right. Uh, and I'm like, that's that's a pretty familiar dodge, I think, of uh, of a lot of people who are good at selling stuff. <laughs> if <laughs> if that makes sense. So, like I say, there's there's multiple things in here, and there's multiple like personal experiences and research experiences that make me a little. Uh, suspect of the entire standards-based grading movement. No, I appreciate your um, point about the fact that if we're switching to standards-based grading and focusing on mastery, which all teachers want kids to master things, I don't think there's an argument there for that. Mm -hmm. um, but is our pursuit of mastery in the way that we're doing it setting up students for failure? Um, I remember when I was teaching English in one particular district I taught there for five years, and we were told that we couldn't give kids zeros. And I mean, for no reason. You taking the test, you don't want to take it, you ball up and throw it in the trash can. Real thing has happened. I cannot give you a zero. You do not turn your homework. I cannot give you a zero. And so instead, they wanted us to communicate to parents they were not doing their work. So we would put in NH, what meant not handed in. That code would change the grade from a zero to a 50% F. So the lowest grade they could get was 50% F, even if they sat there and did nothing. And the whole philosophy was, well, if a kid digs themselves into an F hole, they can't get themselves out. And that's not fair. And I thought about my, I thought about kind of what you were saying. If I had a job and I just didn't do my work, I didn't show up, I didn't participate, I'm gone. And that's the real problem. And so essentially, it's almost like athletics when we get everybody a participation award. Well, you didn't win anything. You didn't earn this award. And I, I that was like the first time in my career where I felt that I was asked to do something that opposed my education philosophy beliefs. And I also felt like I was setting kids up for failure because I would have kids that were really smart. And so they would calculate how many assignments they could skip and get the 50% and still end up with a B or a C in my class. Mm -hmm. And so now you have kids gaming the system, choosing not to do work, which in turn leads to them not mastering things <laughs> because they're like, I'm going to get a 50% on this and my grade will average out. And yes. so I think on one hand, yes, we want kids to master things. But on the other hand, there has to be a point in which we want to have mastery. And then when kids can do things over and over again. I'm not opposed to kids redoing work. I'm not opposed to that. But if there's no time on it, then I feel like we never have a standpoint by the end of this quarter, all students will be at this point. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, oh, well, second quarter, we'll just carry on with this. But if we're just carrying on with every single standard and every single quarter, we never get to a point. And in your grade book, you mentioned that you had like effort-based assignments versus more like mastery assignments. Can you talk to us a little bit about like, maybe even give us an example of what you would consider more of an effort-based assignment that you have versus more of a mastery-based assignment? Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> one of the, it's kind of, a, for me, teaching ELA, like a corner of ELA is teaching the, the like the mechanics of the language. 
Okay. Like, I don't think it's the biggest corner, like fairly, mm-hmm. like it's like, like I could ask you right now, like, tell me what a gerund is. And I know you could tell me because you're an ELA teacher. Okay. But, the, but the bottom line is, you know, knowing what a gerund is, it's never going to cost someone their job. <laughs> okay. And so for me to go like too far in the weeds of like the very technical grammar terms, things like that, still, I, I like teaching it because I never know who the next great linguist is in my room. You know, like I never know who that's going to turn on. And they're just like, whoa, that makes sense, you know. And, and so, like, I'm going to give them some exposure to that so they don't head into post-K-12 with zero awareness of that all these things have names and all these things have functions. Um, uh, I'm not going to tell them to build their sentences like you must start it with a gerund phrase. You know, like, like I'm not going to do that, okay, because that's too I, – I want, I want to expose them to great literature first. Okay, so – but if I give it a 15% corner of my course – I might say in that 15%, so like, and let's average it out. It's like over the course of a, a nine week term, that might mean we spend an average of four days per term on that sort of mechanical study. How I tend to do it is not by like, show me that you master those terms and, and procedures. Okay. Of the, of like, of being able to identify a gerund phrase, things like that. What I have them do is I explain the the rules in place. I show them lots of models. I give them lots of practice. They do the practice, and then I go over the practice with them, if that makes sense. I put it on the doc cam and say, let's let's look at your answers versus my answers together while I'm doing it. They correct it along with me. I use the exercise as a teaching tool, okay? And so not as an, not as a, an assessment of mastery tool, but then because I'm walking them through every single step like that, I'm not going to give them, it's not going to be a 20 point assignment. It's going to be a five point assignment. Okay. So as in for the student that does hands in something blank, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like even, even with all that guidance and time and going over the answers together and walking explicitly through the models together. Um, I might say that's a five point assignment and believe it or not, there will still be students who, even though we spent those two days in class walking through every single step, will hand me something that is blank as in for all the class time we've spent on this, you've spent zero effort. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a zero out of five period. Okay. Like, like I've been using this as a teaching tool, not to see whether you mastered it, because frankly, I've deemed it something just based on my own experience. You're not going to need to know automatically. Like it's it's not going to affect your future. For those of you that this does not touch, okay. Like you know, um, uh, but at the very least, for the four or five days per nine weeks that we spend on this, you probably should have at least dug in with me on that because I was giving you the answers. <laughs> like I was giving you the answers, hoping that you would take something away before we move on to, you know, introducing things fall apart or, <laughs> or whatever I really want to get to like literally. So like, so it, does that make sense? Like when I say effort-based assignments, I mean, ones is just like, can I look out there and see that kids are, you know, looking at my, my projection and, and asking questions and saying, Oh, that doesn't match my practice and, and, and show me, and I can give them feedback. Like I'm, I'm counting on their effort 
Uh, I'm counting on their effort so that I can teach them what's what's correct. It's and, almost like you're they are doing like the um, I do by themselves ish, and then they come back together for the we do, and then they're getting some type of points for participating in this learning process. Because with ELA, I think it gets tricky because like there's like the grammar nerd I feel like lives in every ELA teacher. And there's all these things with language we want to teach. Yeah. But we know at the end of the day, we just really need them to comprehend and think critically. And if you know what a gerund phrase is or not, you may still <laughs> comprehend the thing. But it's like a cool thing to also know, because like you said, we could have the next uh, orator or the next writer in our class. So we can't just not teach those things. But that's not the bulk. Like, can you actually read fluently? Can you comprehend? Can you have a critical discussion based on research-based facts and text? Because I feel like right now in society, we're lacking people who can, um, A, find a reputable source, <laughs> B, read that source, and come away with some decent takeaways. Uh, so I feel like that's where I kind of like how you say you carved out the little corner for like the grammar and those uh, skills that may not be skills you need. So you can spend the bulk of your time on like, the other part um, right. of literacy. And then uh, you talked about how you, you think there should be a time bound. So explain to me if a student likes not mastering, on one hand, you want them to master the skill, but you mm -hmm. also don't want them to feel like they can have until the end of the school year. So how do you talk to students about uh, mastery in your class and them mastering the skill, but also making them mindful of the fact that this cycle will not go on forever because we do have to move on to other skills and standards. Yeah. Um, that, that one's tough for me because I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of in between on the idea of like mastered skills in general. Okay. Uh, uh, and this is because, and I mean, I know that's how the common core is written. I know that's how uh, ELA standards tend to get written because they want to be content agnostic. They don't want to make anybody mad. They don't want to do anything else. So like, like you can't prescribe this content. Okay. So by the end of your course, students will be able to blah, 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 blah. Um, but when I look at some of those skills, I'm like, I'm a semi-professional writer that's written two books. Okay. I can't say I've mastered some of those skills. Like they're mm. still going, they're still going. Okay. So like the idea of like, can you, um, can you find the main idea in a text? My question is always, well, it depends what the text is. Like, I don't like, like if I'm reading something on particle physics, I can tell you I'm probably going to take a while to find the main idea in that research piece. And so like, so like, I think like skills are domain specific. And so like the idea that, that you can master, master a skill of reading is, it's been a little overblown and a little oversold. Okay. I can say though, for my domain, okay. When I say, you know, like when we're teaching this unit, okay. And this unit has a bunch of like linked short pieces all leading into a, um, uh, an anchor text. Okay. So when I talk about, um, well, let's just think, let's just think I I'm currently teaching for English 11. Okay. American literature unit. Okay. Um, uh, uh, great Gatsby is the, the anchor text. Okay, but the 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 six short works that we read letting leading up to it all connect to this idea of is the American dream alive? Okay, mm -hmm. so like and all of those short pieces kind of like feed into the anchor text, which I would say, you know, is 
one of the classic American texts when it comes to saying, no, the American dream is dead. <laughs> and, 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 and it's really only for certain. Okay. I could ask them within the scope of that unit, like, are you picking out the main idea here in all of these pieces, whether I'm talking about, you know, an informational piece about um, uh, 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 an informational piece about how hard it is for, for average American folks to make ends meet in the contemporary era. Okay. Like when I, when I have a piece about that, and again, some of these things I got from uh, uh, the AP has a great, a great source book that I use for it. Um, uh, I can't necessarily say you've mastered a skill, but I can pretty reliably say you're getting the point of this as regarded as regarding this unit and the themes of this unit. Okay. And some of that is through a lot of explicit guidance when kids absolutely still can't grasp it. Okay. Like, like I have, you know, several short pieces to follow after that. And then I say, you know, when I, at the end of this unit though, there is going to be an, you know, like an analysis essay that ties all of the, the works we've been tying together and you're going to have another chance to practice it. Like to say, to pull from here to see how that relates to this piece. And to see how that relates to kind of like the final message or the, the landing point of Great Gatsby. If I can say without a question that they still haven't mastered it, I still just frankly have to move on. Okay. And I think that's a little, and as, as uh, um, in my view, uh, that's how the world works. I mean, like, you, you mean, you think of your job, you think of mine, you think of I, probably anybody else. You've probably been called to the carpet several times when you didn't quite know your stuff, but you had to make it work anyway uh, to get to get the, the 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 job done, the assignment done, the you know the project that that's like like you had to hustle and you had to get to the presentation or whatever that you had to give, and you maybe weren't all the way there, but you had it enough, okay, to to like get it done. And to me, I think like like having them like like tap the resources they have, uh, imbue themselves with confidence somehow anyway, even when they don't know it. <laughs> like, like, I think those are all really useful things to try in the, in the learning environment that will get you a grade, if not a sexy one. Okay. You might not get an A, you might not get an A. Okay. But can you get me a C? Okay. Even if, even if some of these things are eluding you, like, can you, can you get there? And to me, it's just not, um, it's not tyrannical or malpractice to say, yeah, you didn't master it, but we're moving on, you know, because we have other stuff to talk about. Uh, and I, I, I kind of do that shamelessly. And I think that really gets into when I think about like tier one, um, which for non-educators, that is just like general instruction that happens in the classroom. And then you have tier two, which is intervention because kids aren't getting it. And there's tier three. And I've. I strongly feel like some kids live in tier two and live in tier three because it's the whole thing of they didn't get this. So now I'm going to pull them out during tier one instruction to remediate. Mm -hmm. And then they finally got that skill according to whatever intervention you did. But mm -hmm. now they're behind on the next skill. And then these kids like stay in tier two and stay in tier three. Yes. And then sometimes like in math, um, I feel that there are some skills like you have to understand to do the next thing. Right. Yes. But. And ELA, 
you didn't get Jaren's? Okay, we can move on to something else. And those two don't necessarily build upon each other. And in history, okay, you didn't understand the structure of the government, but you understand what being a citizen is and civic yeah. action is. So mm -hmm. we can move forward because I think to your point, there are things like if you ask me to talk about how to grow Brussels sprouts, I'm pretty confident I can tell you how to do it, tell you how to cook it because I'm a gardener. Mm -hmm. But if you sat like my son is really into science, he came home from sixth grade science class and was telling me all this stuff about kinetic energy versus potential energy. Did I know that at some point in time in my past? Can I like comprehend everything he was saying about it in this moment in time? No. So, but if I got quizzed on what's the main idea or what's the differences, can you compare and contrast? I may not get the grade I would have gotten because as you said, I hadn't had the supports. I hadn't had, you know, you said those short stories that they read to get to, like we read the great Gatsby. We know what the message is, but we are taking kids through this because they haven't read it. And so we're trying to get them to get the message. Um, so I think, that's really important to note that people do feel like it's malpractice if they move on from a skill. And there are some skills I argue that you do have to be like, okay, I have, you don't know your math facts. You're screwed. Like we have to get you to know your math facts because every, you can't be sitting here counting on your hands. Mm -hmm. um, I was a school administrator in a school where I literally saw seven to eight girls counting on their hands. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> what mm -hmm. happened in elementary school that you're sitting here counting on your hands to multiply and you mm -hmm. don't know your basic math facts? Like, mm -hmm. this is the problem. Yes, I'm taking your advisory time. Yes, you're going to do math facts. No, you're not going to like it. But yeah. you have to have the skills because it sounds harsh, but no one's going to feel sorry for you when you become an adult and you can't do the things. They're going to expect you to find the resource. They're going to expect you to figure it out. And I feel like the K-12 space, I mean, even though we're not moms and dad, although sometimes we get called mom and dad at school, like <laughs> our job is to give them those tools to say, hey, you're not doing well. You have to take ownership. And even to my own son, um, he has like A's in all his class, C in science. Now, same son I just told you that told me about potential and kinetic energy. I'm like, why do you have a C in science? And he's like, well, yeah, I went on to Canvas and the link took me to another website and it wasn't working. So I just got, you know, and uh, asked for these assignments. And so his brother, who is identical twin, has the same science teacher, but at a different time. He's like, yeah, the teacher said that was broken. You were supposed to pick up the articles in class. You didn't do that. And he was like, well, I heard him say something. I just assumed that he was going to change my grade. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You have to go do your part. And yeah. so today he like, he's like, yeah, mom, I talked to the science teacher. I turned in all my stuff. But sometimes like if my son hadn't done that, the consequence for his action should have been to keep that seat. Like, yeah. and I think sometimes in schools, kids don't get that natural consequence. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they don't have the opportunity to learn from it. Mm -hmm. And then to move forward um, from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about the zero. I'm sorry. Like, like, like I'm uh, like a zero is a zero now. And I know that's, that's, it's really controversial to some, but no work in is a zero now. And I've, I've built in, and, and I know this is a little off that, that no, path, but, but like, uh, um, and I, cause I have this talk with my kids, especially kids who are new to my class. Um, I've had a system for, years and and it became uh my school fit academy um uh, uh we adopted it as an entire secondary school policy uh which is if it's late i don't mean because i'm sure you've seen these systems where it's like one day late 
10% off two days late, 20% yep. off. And I'm like, I am never going to keep track of that. Like, like when some kid comes in, I'm like, when did we do this again? Like, was it four days ago? Like, I'm never going to do that. So, so purely out of utility to start, but then it started to make a lot of sense to me over a while was I don't care when it's late, it's half off. So if it's a 50 point assignment and you've got a good, strong B on it, a 42, it becomes a 21. And the kid will say, well, if it's going to be an F, why would I turn it in? And then I do the calculations for them. And I said, because half credit is always better than no credit. If you look at your grade, like a marathon and not a sprint. Okay. Like this, this is your overall body of work. Okay. And then I add it up and I show them it's sometimes multiple letter grade differences. Okay. Like, like just by handing in never, I tell them to never take a zero. Okay. So you're, and then the, the kind of the message I send is when it's late, it will cost you. See, <laughs> it will cost you, but it won't kill you. Okay. As in, um, uh, so you never accept a zero student, you know, I'm, I'm going to, and, and then I say, as this relates to your, your someday employment possibilities or post-secondary ed or whatever, every single late assignment, every single late project turned in every single time you don't show up on time, et cetera, et cetera. Um, none of them will probably kill you. Like I doubt anyone's going to fire you on the spot. Okay. But each little one costs you <laughs> like, and, and building that kind of like, like just, and then I say, and then there's the kid who like, I didn't read last night. I didn't do well on the quiz. Oh, geez. What am I going to, I'm like, don't freak out. I'm like, just don't make a habit of it. Like, like don't let zeros stack up. Don't let half credit stuff stack up and say, you know, like I'm understanding, like stuff happens. Like you get a soccer game, <laughs> you get a soccer game and you were too tired when you got home and you, you made a choice and it was to go to bed. Okay. And you didn't do your thing. <laughs> I, I get it. Okay. Life happens. <clears throat> Mom got home late. I didn't know the computer password. I don't. Okay. I'm like, and I, and I'm little, I'm a little merciless when it comes to like, like, like why, why something is late. Like I think every, I think every excuse is valid, but it's, I have to leave it to be the problem of the kid, much like we adults. It's like when, when we can't get it done, we have to beg forgiveness, turn it in, <laughs> turn it in a little late. Our supervisor mentally files that that's not a good thing now, but that goes away. That mental filing goes away, you know, like, the more we make up for it, you know, and I'm like, your grade will do the same thing. So I basically, and, and, and again, we've adopted across our secondary school and it's been really good. I mean, you get kids who are just like, the first thing they say is, will this be half credit if I can't turn it in right now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, but keep it in perspective. It's a 10 point assignment. Like at worst, it's, you're going to get a, what, a three out of 10. Like after you turn it in, like you're a B student all the time, you're going to get a six out of 10 on this. I can almost guarantee, sorry, uh, an eight out of 10 on this, I can almost guarantee it. That's going to take it down to four. You lost six points, like relax <laughs> like in the overall grade. And so it's costing you and you're like, but then I won't get an A. And it's like, well, but that's what A students do. Like, like A students are always, and it's always excellent. You know, I'm like this time you weren't always, and you weren't always excellent. It costed your grade, maybe a letter grade, maybe two, but it didn't kill you. It didn't take you down to an F. Um, uh, the kids who do, you know, never make up a 70 point test, 
that's another conversation. Like, um, uh, but that's that's rare. And I work. And, that and, out. The, and the other thing that I think we forget: if I have a kid that doesn't turn in anything, and they get a fifty percent, and then you have the kid that does the work, and they earn a fifty percent. As a teacher, it is hard to keep in your brain like all the is this a real 50 percent or is this a fake 50 percent that i had to give and mm -hmm. so i think that's the other thing because i really want to know <laughs> if you are earning 50 percent because you'll have students where they're um um there's in the special education supports uh, they're english learner that like this is their best effort hey, um, hey. this is at their skill and so then it's a conversation of okay yeah. Maybe we need to revisit accommodations. Maybe we need, need mm -hmm. to revisit modifications. But I think we get so tied up in this kids who can, who choose not to, then we are not putting the attention to the kids who are trying their hardest. Mm. And their hardest is a 50%. Their and, hardest is a 60%. And then we're not doing that skill because like in middle school, I taught middle school for a long time. It's my favorite place, favorite grade band to teach. But you get a lot of like, I have to be responsible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but Mrs. Barnes, I went, I was at the game last night and I didn't. So let's talk about what you did. What can you do next time? Because mm -hmm. it sounds like you like to stay after school for these games, mm -hmm. but you also know it takes you two hours to do your homework. So yeah. let's talk about this. When can you work? Oh, in advisory class, when we had, because that's school I was at, we had like advisory for like 45 minutes. Yeah. And you could work on your assignments. What do you do? I put my head down and took a nap. Uh, <laughs> and let's talk about what we can do. But like, these are like the real conversations that I think we should be having mm -hmm. instead of like the kid not being responsible. And they were like, I know you weren't responsible. Mm -hmm. I know you didn't do your part. I will just give, we'll just give you a 50%. I know you didn't do anything, but then the message becomes, I don't have to try. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to be responsible because you're just going to fix it for me. And to me, success is not necessarily straight A's. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and in no way do I mean to interrupt you, but like exactly what you're talking about. Uh, um, and it, it was it was something I don't think I realized about like like a, a hidden cost for me mm -hmm. when it came to standards based grading uh, was I don't think it. It doesn't do well enough to reward effort for kids who count on effort. So like like uh, um, and I, I have a case in point, like a place I was consulting. OK, um, they um, they had gone to a district wide standards based grading thing and they had assessments weighted at 80 because that's where mastery lives and everything else weighted at 20 because that's where effort lives. And they had a ton of English learners. And I, I don't know where it's like in India. I don't I don't I, but I can say here. Uh, in in Twin Cities, uh, a lot of a lot of Minneapolis, St. Paul, like immigrant communities that don't speak English as a first language, uh, also have incredible reputations for heavy, heavy effort. Okay, so these kids were coming and <clears throat> were absolutely working their butts off, like on a day to day, but it was actually contributing a twenty percent share of their overall grade, whereas the eighty percent share was living in the assessments where their language deficiencies were probably costing them in some, and, and they were like, well, but that's, that's where mastery lives. So they don't, and I'm like, what message are you sending there? Uh, and, and I thought it went both ways. It wasn't just for the, <clears throat> and it was costing some of them if they were, if they were um, 
working on like a PBIS type system where actual rewards were, were meted out for, for how you were doing at, you know, mid quarter or whatever. It was like, so you're telling, you know, um, Tan, okay. Who's <laughs> from Laos. Okay. And his family's new here. Okay. Uh, who's turning every single thing in. Okay. And he's doing the best he can but failing the test because he doesn't have the language that he doesn't get to go to the Friday fun day because he's not maintaining a C plus. I'm like, you're, you're basically telling him that effort doesn't matter. Um, uh, that it's all about mastery. And I'm like, and that's on, that's the one side, which is scary. Uh, cause I'm like that kid's amount of effort will get him places someday, you know, like, like, like even with his language gap, uh, um, and so where's his reward coming in? Like, where will schooling teach him that lesson about how the world works? And as you'll see, that undergirds everything I say. Like, how do your policies reflect what the world will reward? Okay. And it isn't always brilliance. Sometimes it's, it's try hardness and consistency. But the, here's the scary thing about it is they also, uh, so that's, that's the one side. They're not properly acknowledging Ton for his, you know, but Jimmy over here okay who school comes naturally to him and he doesn't know why okay he doesn't have to do any of the homework he just listens and he does well on the test that represents 80 percent of his grade so he wasn't turning in almost any homework you know kind of like you're talking about they wasn't turning in any homework because he'd done the calculations and all i have to do is just keep acing the tests by simply listening in class and and i'm like i'm like so now you're telling him that his his brilliance is going to get him through solely in life. Mm. I'm like, and at some point that catches up. So like, I'm like, I don't care where it is. Like, like anyone who lives like that will meet their maker. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, like at some point that, that ability, I don't care if it's in your junior year of college as a math major. Okay. And you're studying differential equations and mind bending math. Like at some point you're going to hit a wall. Like, like brilliance, brilliance has a generally for most of us. Okay. Like, cause I don't know brilliance. I know work hard. Um, uh, brilliance will, uh, at some point hit a wall, uh, when it comes to what the world asks. So you're kind of telling that kid just because you are, um, innately brilliant, uh, the effort part is nowhere near as, as important. And I thought these like 80, 20, and I would work with the schools. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how you're darn you know, uh, standards-based grading system works like the, the student management system behind it and all those things. I'm like, but you must have something where you can at least set that to 60, 40, <laughs> like not 80, 20. And I, and I'm like, I'm, I know what you're going for, you know, based on, you know, the, the, the goals you're setting in your district and you want to prize mastery and you want to prioritize it and all those things. I'm like, but, but, uh, but 60, 40 to me, especially in the populations that I was working with here are like, it seemed a little bit more like fair when it came to sending certain messages about the world. Cause the last thing I would want to do for that, that kid whose family is like newly here from Laos is for him to like, just say, you know, in seventh, eighth grade, well, trying hard isn't worth it. Uh, when they're making some really big decisions about whether school is for me or not, you know, cause at a some, certain point they'll take their hard work and drop out and get a job as a mechanic. When you never know that kid might've been, you know, we might've leveled that person's life you know, a little bit. So anyway. And I think the nuance is important because when you think about uh, English, so I here in Indianapolis, I supervise students, teachers, 
who are getting their English as a new language license. Oh, okay. um, so uh, elementary setting, secondary setting. And uh, one of the things I talked to them about is that it takes over five years for students to pick up the academic language. That's right. So when you have something that's in standard-based grading where 80% is the assessment and it's on mastery, do we want those kids to get to mastery? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. But we also have to acknowledge that getting to mastery takes time. And if you feel like you're getting killed on the path to mastery, oh. there's a part of you that just gives up. And I remember this one student when I was administrator back from the country she was from, honor student, did really well and came yes. here and got extremely depressed. And the right. student was essentially like, no matter what I do, Mrs. Barnes, I mm -hmm. can't get good grades. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. And so one thing I, we wanted to change from mindset to be like, you can do it. You can get it. You do have the knowledge. You just don't know how to express it using English. And yeah. so I want you to not think that you have lost your knowledge. Um, all the honors and awards you earned in your previous, your home country are valid, but we're just trying to get you to now use that in an, and use it through a different language, um, which is not this show, but <laughs> That's why I feel really strongly about like bilingual or multilingual education because we're asking kids, especially because all students, many English learners are born in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, but some of them have gone to school for years and years somewhere else. And we're essentially saying that, well, all that's just to the side. And it's just like, I feel like we need to continue their literacy skills in their language. Now, multiple languages, multiple countries. Do we have the teachers for that? I know there's like so many, many things, but I think that just that cut off of that culture of that language and like using the language of school, which is English here in America, I think it's really hard. And then like you said, like, that's my great for the PBIS system is that sometimes <laughs> it becomes a punishment because that's I'm right. like, why are grades tied <laughs> to you getting to go outside. And I remember, we're gonna have a dance party. We're gonna mm -hmm. have a movie during this time. Oh, you know what, you have a D. You have yeah. to stay inside and do this work. Yeah. And you turn your roof in on time. You ask for help. You, you, If you could do it in your native language, you could get it. Yeah. But you can't yeah. do it in English. And so therefore you miss out on the social aspect of school, mm -hmm. um, these other things for something that is literally not in your control. And so yep. I think when I think about grades, there's it's not just standard-based version versus traditional, it's grading practices. It's what do you consider mastery? So in your consulting work, when you go into a school where it's 80% mastery, how do you help teachers that are in that same boat? Like this isn't fair, this isn't equitable for these students. How do you help and support them? Well, and, and and there's a bunch of ways that, that are so wrapped up in the things that you're talking about. Like one, I will ask admin if there, if there's a switch where you can like dial that balance in closer. OK, like in consideration of your population, consider it. OK, some do, some don't. Some have to clear it with the district uh, or and you know how that goes. Uh, um, but one of the other things that I uh, also say is like uh, to the PBS court, PBIS coordinator, like, like consider thinking about your rewards as not based on anything grading wise, like, 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 do you have 85% of your assignments in? Mm. Okay. So like, like make it effort-based. So like, like, like is the child, are they putting out, like, are they doing the practice they need to, to continue growing? Okay. Like, like, can you, can you dial things that way a little bit? Can you think about it? Not because too, 
if someone's going to really put their stick in the sand and say, no, it has to be mastery based because we paid this consultant, we paid another consultant a lot of money to, to make us a, a standards based grading district, you know, so we have to make it based on mastery. I'm like, okay, then can the teachers say, you know, when I look over the last, you know, five weeks of their body of work, when we're going to decide who gets to go to fun Friday, are 80% of their assignments in or 90 or you, you set the line, you know, uh, are they, are they, you know, on time? Are they, you know, like, like I always think, uh, Shantae about the, like, uh, the most basically employable qualities, if that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are consistency. They are reliability. They are being a good communicator. They are, you know, and I know that sounds like, well, where's, where's the content in there? And I'm like, well, I'm always thinking about how you use content to make a more world ready human. Okay. And, um, uh, I don't, and to uh, what this makes me think about, and I know, sorry, this is going to be a tangent. I don't know if many people, uh, have out there have like looked at the difference between kids who enter the world with a GED versus kids who enter the world with a, a diploma. Um, and I got a, and I mentioned this in my second book, like one of the most instructive and experiences I ever had as a, as an educator was just to make a little extra money, I got involved in my district's adult degree program. So that was kids who didn't want to take the GED. They wanted to come back to make up credits that hadn't been earned originally. So they were they were 16. They thought they knew everything. They dropped out. They, okay, they, they are, they reach 24. They have a young kid. They have topped out at how, how much money they're going to make at Amico. Okay. <laughs> and they can't get a manager job because they don't have a high school degree. They go back to get their GED and it turns out they don't want GEDs. They want high school diploma people. So they would come back like on their hands and knees and say, do whatever you can to get me my three credits of English that I failed when I was a know-it-all ninth grader. Okay. And I, when I would talk to them, like it was and this, so this is an experience talking, but then it was also like, um, and, and then I matched it up with the research later. Um, employers were essentially telling these kids of mine, and they weren't kids, they were young adults, they were in their mm -hmm. 20s. Uh, and they were saying, um, uh, they don't want someone who has a GED, because basically what it says to them is, even though I have all of the necessary knowledge, I don't know how to play the game. I don't know how or I'm unwilling to play the game. Whereas a high school diploma communicates that I showed up every day, I turned my assignments in on time, I did all those things like on paper, a high school diploma says very different things about you than a GED does. Okay. It's not just that you have the necessary knowledge and skills, but that I can play the game. I am at a basic level, employable, reliable, and so forth. Um, when I think about that as related to schooling all the time, like, like how can PBIS folks, for instance, not tie things to performance, which some kids for very, I'm sorry, valid reasons, like you mentioned with, with, you know, kids who are learning a new language, uh, um, they may be trying really hard. Okay. They deserve some reward for that effort. And if, if we even think back to, and I know it's been, it's been, um, uh, uh, you know, debated and sometimes thrown out, but the growth mindset research research is really powerful when it comes to like understanding, like what we should be reinforcing. Okay. And like, like, like sending messages about the value of effort. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you look at your policies and you see that they don't reward effort, they reward performance. You're actually mm -hmm. doing a lot of double talk about whether, whether or not you believe in growth mindset. 
Um, uh, and so like, that's one of the things that I asked them to say, do your policies reward kids trying? Cause trying is worth something, you know, do, do they reward consistency? Do they reward what I, I call always those like, um, uh, most basically employable virtues. Okay. Like it, because, oh, and, and, and similarly, and, and then I point them to a lot of research, these, these same schools that you asked me about is, um, over years, um, uh, the, the high school GPA, for as much as it's kind of like gotten criticized and demonized by the kind of like the pushers of standards-based grading, which is like a completely reformed way of doing things, year in and year out, study in and study out, it's one of the most like, it's one of the most strongly predictive like index, indexes of like, uh, of what will guarantee post-high school success, like far more than test scores. Okay. And, and people are like, well, how can that be? You know, it, it isn't just the smart kids who do well in college. It's like, no, it's the kids who showed on paper that they know how to play the game, that they know how to deal with the, the myriad adversities that will face you as a college student. You know, like you're, you're 18, you've never been independent. Now you got to manage not just your four classes with hundreds of pages of reading, but a social life, your new independence, doing your laundry, maybe getting a part-time job. Like it's like, it's like those are the kids who persist in college and do well, uh, uh, statistically speaking. And again, I could I could point you to just a few studies where it's like, wow, that, is that really true? And it's like, yeah. So as flawed as traditional grading may seem, it actually has had a lot of predictive power when it comes to who who does well post K twelve. Um, and so I try to point those schools to like research like that and like and to rethink. Yes, I know you're going all in on on that mastery is the most important factor. And that's what we have to do. But what's what's that saying to your English learners? What's it saying to your kids who maybe aren't all that engaged in school, but you can get to try for a little while? <laughs> and, and you know the types, it's like the ones that are like, they're reluctant and then you get them to try for a little while. It's like, what are you feeding them? Because instant test score success probably isn't gonna happen. Like, what are you still giving them that, that makes them at least realize that like, um, uh, uh, giving my best effort is a worthwhile pursuit and, and the mastery will come. Because as you said, uh, as it comes to the English language learners, it's like, that's going to take a while. <laughs> like they, they ain't going to be mastering the tests like, like now. Okay. Like, like there's a lot that goes into that. So that's what I do with them is try to kind of get it. I don't, I can look at certain policies. I wish they'd change, but more so I'd like them to just look at the problem a little bit differently. Okay. What type of policies have you seen that you're like, oh, I wish that policy was different? Uh, the same ones I'm talking about, like like okay. like like a PBA PBIS reward system, or like the the balance of does it have to be eighty twenty? Like like I know that's what your standards based grading consultant told you to make it, <laughs> like, but you must be able to dial that down. So so these kids who are really working their butts off all the time are seeing a little more reward, like get it closer, like you know, so like. I'll, I'll try to attack those things as I see them, but it's kind of different from place to place. So. And I also think to your point about assessments being so heavy, then you have kids who just have legitimate test anxiety. Yeah. Um, as if you gave them the same assignment and you told them it wasn't a test, they would be fine. Mm -hmm. But the moment it becomes a test, they get in their heads. And granted, if you have any type of anxiety, that is something you have to live with. You have to learn how to work through. Um, however, that's not indicative of 
that kid having mastery um, per se. And then uh, this could be a whole other conversation. I know. <laughs> I mean, there's the myriad of what is assessment because um, mm-hmm. I read um, James uh, Poppins book, um, what teachers need to know about assessment. Mm-hmm. And he, um, he has some strong stances about assessment. But one of his strong stances is like, he's not in support of the effort. Like that's not his thing mm-hmm. that he supports. He supports like identifying your curricular aim, your objective, um, determining like what um, mastery is, determining what mastery looks like. And then that's what you're grading. And some of his stuff, like I really agree with, like it shouldn't be like subjective. It shouldn't be based on your relationship with kids. You shouldn't like change a grade for one kid based on their story or their why yeah. it was late versus someone else's story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you've ever read anything by him, but I, mm-hmm. if you haven't, you should read that because I, I would, would love to talk to you about that book. <laughs> right. Right. And, and like, and I'm not saying like everything I assess is yeah. based on effort. There, there are, there are places where, again, in my grade book, there are places where effort lives and there's places where mastery lives. So like, like, and, and like I say, um, most of the literary stuff, okay. I want to see a little bit more mastery. Okay. Right. But, but, and so I, I kind of have to relatively dial that. Okay. So like, like all I really want to know when I'm going through my grammar stuff, which does not float the boat of seven out of 10 kids, but then you get no. surprised. There's always one kid who's like, this is awesome. Like it makes total sense. And I'm like, that's great. Have you thought about linguistics? You know, like right. th- this, this is a corner of the world. Like you never knew you, you thought you hated reading and writing, but this stuff, it just comes naturally to you. You have sense. You should know that. Like, and that's why we do it. Like, um, but I just want to know that when I'm doing that stuff, like, um, uh, like who's, who's training in. Okay. Who's, who's like down to learn. And so like, and when I can kind of see that through what they turn in, when I can kind of see, watching them as they, you know, follow along with my instruction and, and kind of, and revise their own work. Like, yeah, you get a five out of five. And also I've learned over time to appropriately weight those things. Okay. So like effort is not the determinant of, I have very few, very, I have very few uh, uh, high A's who just earned it on effort. Like a none. Okay. You have to do things that are really high clip to get a high A. Okay. Like, but then the, the, the points just because of how I've, how I've balanced things out will most often like be like, yeah, that kid is, he's a B minus student. <laughs> like he's a B minus student turns everything in. Okay. The tests kind of clunky. Like, I'm not sure if he's getting things. I'm like, but that effort, man, that's going to get him places. Okay. So is that talk to parents about grades because I I feel like sometimes parents, especially like you have some schools, like this is the grading policy. This is the homework policy, every teacher. And then you get into some secondary schools where it's like, this teacher has her own thing. This teacher has her own thing. Um, So what are your thoughts about like how schools, if they're switching or even revamping a grading policy or structure, the communication piece between the school and the families? Yeah. Um, Again, I have kind of, you know, complex or complicated thoughts on on like uniformity of grading stuff, Uh, only because I really believe that like another thing we're always teaching kids from a social emotional learning standpoint, uh, although these kind of get left on the back burner of typical social emotional conversations. If you look at the whole castle wheel, there's a lot about self self adaptability and awareness 
that I think we sometimes leave out and we think it's just about be nicer and give more hugs. It's like, no, like, like social emotional learning is like the whole thing. Um, and one of the things that I really believe in, especially as a school staff is like, how can we work in a way that's uniform enough? Okay. To, to expect some certain things from classroom to classroom to make our, um, our, our messages clean. Okay. On certain behaviors, on certain, you know, uh, dispositions and mindsets and whatever, but that forces the child to be adaptable because I also think that's incredibly real world. Like, uh, you know, I mean, walking through a day, you're 10 different people before noon. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You know, like it doesn't matter. You, you stop at the coffee shop, you talk to your kids, talk to your spouse, you talk to the, your supervisor, you talk to, okay. You're on the phone with somebody you never met before. Like we are all 10 different people before noon every single day. And so like one of the things that I always say to the kids when they say, well, so-and-so does it this way. I'm like, that's, that's life. that's life. And, and I'm trying to build in that in, 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 through this, you know, schooling experience, like in you and an awareness that, that, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same from one period to the next. Uh, And, and disciplines, uh, you know, math versus mind, like you you mentioned uh, how math has very, it's a very sequential set of stuff, you know, especially up through about eighth grade. I mean, if you like, if there's certain things you don't head into eighth grade, having down it's like whoa you know like like it's 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 that way um uh and so uh for them to for me to say i have a grading system that's like completely mirrored by my math teacher like in no ways do i think that those should be um like that's i don't really think it's reasonable or 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 frankly um developmental like if i'm if i'm truly trying to prepare a child for like what it's going to be like out there um, I should probably start building a sense that it's not going to be the same from human to human, supervisor to supervisor, expector to expector, you know, from one spouse to their kids, to their pet, to their, you know, to the, to anybody, uh, you're going to have to change and, and, and you got to get used to that. Um, there are some things that we, we are clean on though, like, like our, our late work policy, you know, we, we all, we all do that. Um, I know I do. I do something that's different from a lot of my teachers. Like I said, I've already mentioned in this conversation, like I have a lot of different types of, of, uh, of assignments that I take. Okay. Some are low points where I'm looking more at the effort. Some are slightly higher points, which is like daily analytical. Like, are you getting the themes that are, that we're working in this piece? Are you getting the, the academic vocabulary we were trying to build? And some are, you know, more summative, like formal writing assignments or, or unit final exams or things. So like I do volume <laughs> and that's one of the things when it comes to me, when I can look straight across the conference table at a parent, like I can say, as you can see, there are a, there's a wide spectrum across which your child can succeed here. Okay. And the tests they take and they do well, but they're only getting a C minus because they never turn in their daily work. Now let's talk about that. You know, <laughs> like, like, and when they say, well, if they do well on the test, shouldn't they just pass out of the class? I'm like, yeah, it would be if all I cared about was mastery. And I think that kind of lands us back where we started. Like if all I cared about was mastery, I don't, I don't, I just test the tests or I just grade the tests, but I care about the habits also that I think I'm trying to build like through this enterprise. So, so what is your final verdict um, to the title of our show is standard based grading the best approach. What is your final verdict for the audience? 
Uh, you know, so far I've seen it. I'm, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced that it's the best approach. Um, uh, but in, in fairness, like, uh, I, I was judging it before, before it really hit the mainstream. You know what I mean? Like the first time I, first time it came around, I, I remember feeling like, oh, that's suspect. And it came out of nowhere. Okay. Like, to, like, that was like, it was like, that's it was like, like a like, typical teacher response to like everything. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, where did this, and I'm like, and that, you're right. That consultant is very charismatic and he's telling me how my grading is tyrannical. And, and, and I'm like, and that's going to get people to react. I'm like, but then as you know, my evidence side is like, where, what is that based on? And lo and behold, it was based on really nothing. Now I'm, now I'm doubly suspect. Like, like for instance, if, if someone would walk in and go every inst every district we've instituted this in is wildly successful. The kids are just flying off the charts their performance on state tests like their mastery is off the charts i would listen but that has yet to be produced okay and so like so that's 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 point one like if somebody could show me that i'd think again okay and and like if this if someone could say this is pumping out a truly better prepared kid for the world okay even though that's not how the world works, <laughs> like anywhere I've seen, like where there's no time bounds and there's, all, you know, limitless extra chances, uh, like, okay, like, like I'd listen. Uh, at the same time, nobody seems able to produce those results. Uh, and until the evidence matches the claims, um, I'm always going to be dubious. And, uh, and, and I began dubious fairly, like, like, like I went, I went into it going, I don't, that doesn't feel like the real world's me. And, and I've always kind of set my own instruction and my, and my advice to others up according to the real world. Okay. Whether that's our personal lives or our job lives or post post secondary education. So. Well, no, I, I appreciate your perspective. And one of the reasons I connected with you is because, I mean, sometimes I'm with you. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm not about to get another English uh, Twitter chat debate on this. Yeah, Twitter. I know. I am. <laughs> And like sometimes I'm like, oh, but it's like I like that it's like I can talk to you or certain other people. It's like we may not agree on everything, but it's like, oh, I can see your viewpoint. And uh, so I like people who uh, I don't need an echo chamber. Yeah. <laughs> but I need someone who's going to push my thinking, who's going to to say, I think this and here's some research to back up why I'm going this direction. Or I think this because there is no research to counter my uh, perspective. Right. Um, so I, I know we will continue to connect, but I want to thank you so much, um, especially running here like after school and yeah. all the activities that you just got done doing yeah. um, to come to participate on Brazen Education. Yeah. And for those of you that, um, that are watching live, thank you. And those of you that are doing the playback, let us know in the comments and uh, we will see you next time. See you. Cool. Thanks.